What's up, millionaires? It's Quinn Alexandria, host of the Millionaire Mom Diaries, and this is a podcast where we focus on faith, family, and how could we not talk about finance and freedom. As always, my goal is to add value to your life, inspire your faith, encourage you to seek healthy relationships, not only with yourself, but with others too, and advocate for your financial literacy. All of which I hope will set you free and lead you to pursue your God-given purpose on this earth. Okay, so let's get it. from our conversation yesterday we went for a walk as a team and we we had some really good stuff that we were talking about right um and so i i wanted you ladies to come on today to kind of talk about the politics of career um and the culture of career and you ladies are doing a lot better than the average american um from a salary perspective from a career perspective y'all are actually in, in the top of your age group of, you know, your socioeconomic demographic, you know, you ladies are really killing it. So I guess I would like you to start to kind of tell who you are and what you do, what type of education you have. Let's start there. Okay, I guess I'll go first. Um, my name is Devin Garrison and I have a bachelor's in biology and a master's in chemical engineering. Um, I have different backgrounds professionally, but right now I am the manufacturing planner. Um, I'm Janelle. I have a bachelor's in biology and a master's in pharmaceutical sciences. And right now I'm the quality control planner. Awesome. And uh, so you ladies are working in the biotech industry. Um, you're very young. You know, I know a lot of women don't like to tell their age, but you were in your 20s. Um, so you're a lot younger than me. Uh, but I, I wanted you to come on to kind of talk about some of the challenges that you faced in your career from a political and a cultural standpoint. And I just wanted to pick your brain about what has it been like being a young woman breaking into the biotech industry? How, how has that been good? How has that been challenging? Can we talk about that, Janelle? Yeah, um, I would say for me, I started at my company as an intern in um, quality control planning. And so then making that transition that transition to being full-time quality control planner, I think the hardest part for me was just like kind of commanding that attention from everybody that I'm not just an intern doing the grunt work, but I'm actually going to be like, you know, implementing a couple things. I'm going to be running forecasts. Like, these are some of the things that I need you guys to look at and highly regard because, you know, it's going to drive some of the things for the business and just kind of developing that voice and just like, you know, leading and like having people actually listen to what I had to say was something that I had to overcome. Yeah. Like, making that transition from internship to full time. And so, actually being a part of QC leadership and not just you know, regular intern. Yeah. And, and I think commanding the respect is, is what you're saying. That's what, it, that's what I'm hearing Yeah, is like, you know, you're making a transition from, okay, I'm still a student. I'm learning. I'm an intern. Now I'm actually on the leadership team and I've got to inform how you guys work. Right. I imagine that that was challenging. It was challenging. And it was also weird because, you know, some of the people that I sat on the leadership team with, like, 
I was their daughters and sons' ages. So yeah. it's just like, are you going to listen to me or are you just going to look at me like one of your kids, you know? Like, I'm trying to talk to you and speak to you, but, like, are you, you know, listening? So yeah. It's hard. So I, I guess to, to park right there, because it's a really good topic, what did you do from a political and a cultural standpoint? Like, how did you build those relationships so that people did listen to what you had to say? I think I just come, I try to like build their trust by just letting my work speak for itself and like actually explaining to them like what work I'm doing and how it's going to affect them, their team moving forward from a resource standpoint, headcount standpoint, you know, whatever it may be, like actually letting them see the fruits of my labor and the work that I was doing. All right, that's good. So Devin, what about you? Like how... How has it been good transitioning into your career? Um, what have some of the challenges been for you? So my transition is a little bit different from Janelle's. Right when I graduated college, I don't think I knew my worth going into the workforce. Mm. I took a contract role, and it was way lower paying than most of the men that graduated with the same degree. They were starting at like 60s, 70s, and I was way below that. And then once I realized I was unhappy with what I was doing I switched roles again and again that was still underpaid and I just realized oh my gosh male dominated (laughs) field yeah yeah and I'm you guys know I'm pretty quiet like I like just like to do my work and then like let it speak for itself like you said Janelle but I just realized through working with all of the men around me who were getting paid so much more than I was it's like, I need to do something. I need to get out of this rut that I'm in. Mm-hmm. So I went back to school. And once I went back to school, I had a lot of female professors and people who were encouraging. And they were like, yes. you need to go and you can do anything you want. Like, you shouldn't be stuck where you are right now. Mm-hmm. And that kind of encouraged me. I graduated. I did take a job. I fell into that same rut again. I took a job right out of uh, graduation. And I was like, I realized it was a mistake immediately. Okay. Like, it was male-dominated again. No one listened to me, even if I was a manager. And, like, people were just kind of putting me down. And from there, I realized what I wanted out of a career. Like, I knew I wanted to work with women. Yeah. I really wanted to work with black women, Mm -hmm. which is just so fortunate because on a team like this. And I guess just being quiet like I am now and, like, with my personality type, I think I realized that even though I am quiet and I don't really, like, speak for myself enough, that I still can work and do, like, I deserve what I'm getting. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love that you bring this up because I actually, a couple years back, did a whole bunch of research on payscale.com, and I I may need to repost that episode. I've taken that episode down, but it's it's called Ladies, Don't Be Overworked and Underpaid. It's not cute. Um, and, and I love that you're talking about how you're, in, you're entering into these spaces and you're noticing that you're not paid what you're worth. That's a huge passion of mine in making sure that you ladies understand what your salary ranges are, you know, how to ask for a pay raise, what you need to be documenting things. In fact, Devin, I don't know if you're aware of this, but women of color, black women, Hispanic women, um, even white women in some cases, we are making, you know, 75 cents on the dollar for every dollar that a white male makes. The only woman group that is making more 
than men is Asian women, um, which is pretty fascinating. But I think, um, and, and this kind of goes back to your hiring story. This is why when, you know, when I hired you, I was like, oh, my God, you know, she's really polished. So I think that you're kind of downplaying a little bit um, some of your qualities and characteristics. It's not that you're quiet. I would say that you're polished. Um, but I, I love this question. So when you went to seek out a new job, and I'm assuming it would be you applying to work here, um, like what was that process like for you? I know you mentioned that you just wanted to find something else, but what were the challenges that you found? With applying for? A yeah. I, I guess I had just been beat down so much by my other jobs. I knew exactly what I wanted and what I didn't want. Yeah. So when I was applying for jobs, I applied for jobs that I didn't necessarily have all of those qualifications, but I knew that other people were applying for jobs that were just, especially men, men, right, apply for jobs that they would, like, not qualify for at all, and they just so go true. in confident. And I was like, well, I have great qualifications. I might not have every single thing that's listed on, like, the uh, job description, yeah. but I can still apply for it, and that was what I did for this job, too. Yeah. And I just tailored my resume and made sure it, like, had everything that would stand out for that position. Yes, and and I have to say, you know, to affirm what you're saying, especially for the listeners, you do have to go for it. I mean, you know, and to use you as an example, but as I'm looking at all of these resumes, you know, what really stood out about your resume wasn't necessarily your experience because I did have other candidates that had more experience in the biotech industry. But when I clicked on your LinkedIn profile, that's what did it for me. It was not just about the qualifications, but it was about the human that was on the other end. And so I have to say, I really want to kind of highlight that and commend you for that is that I knew when I was done with the interview, I was like, I don't know, really feeling her, you know, like she's amazing. She's polished. She is exactly what I need for this role. So that's awesome. So I guess um, I, I wanted to ask you ladies another question. So I know that, um, you know, you talked about male dominated spaces. The biotech industry is a male dominated space. Um, you know, at the company we work for, we are fortunate that we have a lot of women in leadership here. And I think um, that's not every company that you go to, but definitely is here. So how do you find that this environment is maybe different from what you expected in the workplace? And Janelle, what do you think about that? Um, kind of just like what you said, just seeing all of these women in leadership roles and especially women of color. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, even when I was applying to internships, I would look at like the leadership board of the companies I'm applying to and it's male, white male dominated. Yeah. And so that was kind of discouraging to me because I'm like, I'm not a white male. Like, could I ever get to that point? Ooh. But, you know, being an intern here, just seeing the women in leadership, they're visible too. Like, walking around there, I mean, even the COO attended my internship final presentation. And that was just yeah. like, wow. Like, she's in my face. Really. Like, she wants to meet me. And just seeing that's, like, welcoming instead of, you know, looking at all these other companies, the boards, they're male-dominated. And I'm probably sure I would never see those people anyways. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Devin? I think it's so encouraging being around women who have risen from even the lowest position mm -hmm. at this company to such a high position, like our COO. Yeah. She 
rose through the ranks, and she's just so inspiring to see. And even your career progression, Quinn, like, just seeing that, it's made me realize that there's so much more that I could go for. Yep. I'm not just stuck in my role, and then I'm just going to have to claw my way up eventually. Yeah. Like, I really can move my career the way I want it to, and even faster than what I thought it would be. Yeah. I think, you know, <laughs> I don't feel like I'm doing my job as a leader if I don't show you that. Um, I've had a lot of people, white males included, so they are not the enemy here. I would say that, you know, white male leadership is what has helped me um, rise to the ranks. And so this this conversation has taken a little bit of a different turn than I thought it would, but I kind of want to talk about that a little bit, especially in communities of color. I think there's this perception that because we have, you know, white male dominated leadership, that there's no way for us to rise through the ranks. But I would argue that some of your career progression is exactly what Devin mentioned, is exactly what Janelle is mentioning here, is that you have to go for it. And you know, a closed mouth doesn't get fed at this point. And so I have always been very vocal with the leadership team about what my goals and objectives are. And please help me understand as your direct report what I need to do to take my career to the next level. So I think that part of it is very important. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess now we're getting into a little bit more of the nitty gritty, and I know we're almost out of time, but... um, how has so we talk about culture and politics all the time uh just you know the three of us talk about it a lot and I want to make sure that I equip you as you do rise through the ranks but I guess what are some of the things that you've learned about culture and how to navigate a room as you you are coming into this new role and as you're learning about how you want to embark on your career path I guess Devin what do you think about culture and politics I think that it's something you have to be careful of I think it's something that you can never really discount Mm -hmm. like you need to know at least a little bit of what's going on I think that if you just ignore it it can probably be down like I kind of was yeah but I think that like just being privy to that information especially through you Quinn has really helped us kind of navigate through that especially since we've changed teams so Mm -hmm. many times knowing that kind of information has helped us transition not only into those teams but kind of figure out what we're doing through those teams I guess is a good way to put it but um as far as culture like one good example and I was thinking about this before the podcast Mm -hmm. I remember when I came in sick the first time and I know this is kind of deviating from this topic no no this is on topic <laughs> but when I came in sick for the first time you looked at me and you were like why are you here mm. like go home and I have never had a manager tell me that before oh my goodness like ever I was so terrified to come in and I was like I remember I had a mask on yep. and I was like I'm just gonna work and like I won't even say anything and I felt so terrible and you were like go home and I was like am I allowed to I'm so sorry <laughs> like are you sure and you were like yeah, don't get me sick. Like, go home. <laughs> and that was, like, the culture around that and, like, having someone who actually cares about you and you're not just a yeah. number is something that it's just, it feels like a weight off my shoulders. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And, and I hate that 
that has been your experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to me, that's unacceptable. And so, you know, as a leader, there's two things that I hear you saying that I feel like other people who may be listening to this, if you're a leader, a senior leader in an organization, number one, be transparent with your people about what is happening around them. The reason people have job dissatisfaction is because they don't understand why decisions are being made. They don't understand why things are happening. And they feel like, you know, nobody cares about them because they don't understand the political aspect of the decisions that are being made. Number two, please care about your people. Create a good environment, a culture where they feel appreciated, where they know that their humanity is important to you, that their health and wellness is important to you, and that their voice is important to you as well. I love that. Thank you. Janelle? Um, I would say... For me, one of the things that I've really tried to do just while being in this company is just trying to figure out what are the cultures like within each department. Mm -hmm. And it's a stark difference. Me and Devin always joke about that, which is between our two departments in general. But, like, figuring out, okay, how do these departments operate within understanding how you are going to operate? So if a department operates under tribal knowledge but you don't operate that way, then you're going to work to document things, make mm-hmm, templates mm-hmm. to, you know, not only better standard procedures, but just better things for yourself and maybe yeah. others to come. And I think that's something that I've really focused on this year is just like writing everything down yeah. because that's just knowledge is power to me. So that's just. And what of politics, Chanel? What of politics? I feel like your department has, well, you're now part of my department, um, but the department that you originally were hired into has gone through a lot of political uh, turmoil and things like that. So uh, what do you think about politics? How's that been eye-opening for you? Um, I think just seeing things for what they really are and not what you thought they were. Um, just understanding mm. that, you know, you do have to be connected to get to where you need to be. It's not always just, oh, well, she's a great worker, so she's automatically going to get that position. That's not real life. It's not reality. Um, you know, I've really seen that on the forefront, um, just in that department alone. And that's not a negative. It's just the way the workplace is today. Mm-hmm. It's something that I've just... I've changed my tune a little bit. Like, yes, I'm going to produce great work, but I'm also going to make sure that I am making the right connections to the right people yeah. because that's ultimately what matters. It's so true. Um, you know, your connections are really, you know, I think there's uh, things that people need to know. And one of those things is you should always surround yourself with people that are doing better with you and connect with them. Um, in fact, there's research that shows that you know, if you're hanging out with people who are doing better than you, that your income and your lifestyle and your, your quality of life will be within 10% of theirs. Mm. And and that is something that I have taken with me and has been responsible for my success. The other part of that, the other fl- the flip side is that you need to have somebody who is not doing as good as you. At least one. You don't want too many because then you'll go backwards. But you do want to have someone around you who is not doing as good as you so that you can help pull them up. Mm. That's what it's all about. 
you know, and so I guess we're almost out of time at this point. And so to close, what advice you ladies gave me some very good advice about myself yesterday during our talk. I asked you for feedback and you told me as your leader to please listen to me when I'm telling you what's going on. I know I'm not the best at communication, but I'm growing and I'm learning and I need you to give me a chance to say what I have to say. Don't interrupt me, hear me out, and then tell me what to do. So coming out of that advice, which is very good advice, by the way, leaders, listen to your people. I am very bad about doing that to them, um, especially if I'm not getting what I feel like I need. But what advice would you have for other leaders? Not just that advice, but one piece of advice that you would give to senior leaders and high-level leaders in an organization who are managing people in your situation. I would say trust your employees. Trust that they're going to do the work and give them a chance to fail on their own. And if they do and they learn from that, that's great. Then maybe they can work their way up and become a leader as well. If they don't, then maybe nurture them a little bit more, do a little bit more hand-holding. And if that still doesn't work, then they'll have to handle that how they will. Yeah. But I think, especially me, as a, like as I learn in this job, I definitely need to like fail on my own. And learn and like learn from my uh, trials, yeah. and that's how I'll grow and become a better employee. That's great advice, Janelle. Um, I would say just check in on your people because you know it's easy to set plans and training plans and stuff when you know all your employees start their onboarding and stuff, but. I mean, we work in a company where there's chaos. Like, we've got a lot of clients to satisfy. Things can go and get escalated and get pushed in front of the original plan. So just set those checkpoints with those people to make sure, like, are you still getting satisfied with the training? Do you feel adequately trained to do X, Y, Z? I know that we deviated from our training plan because of this, but, okay, now we have some downtime. Let's get back on track based on whatever your career development plan is or, you know, where you want to go, let's just make sure we have those check-ins every now and then just to make sure we stay on track. That's so good. I think those are two really good pieces of advice is let your people fail. You know, I, I have to be honest, it, even though sometimes I do try to step in and save you ladies and you addressed that with me yesterday through giving me that candid feedback, I wouldn't be where I am if I didn't have leaders who like intentionally saw I was going in the wrong direction and let me let me fail and so I've got to do that for you and one thing I think I always do well is checking on you ladies to make sure you're okay that's a natural part of my personality but if it isn't part of yours um, maybe set a calendar invite you know once every two weeks to check in with your people and see how are they doing how are they feeling are they overwhelmed and ask them what they need from you Ladies, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming onto this platform and sharing your story, sharing wisdom with the listeners. And hopefully some of us will come out on the other end of this better as a worker and especially as leaders. All right, y'all. Peace. Thank, Thank you. you.